Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and what else and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Fat Man, and we're talking to you today about the cult classic baseball movie, Sandlot. The Sandlot, as chosen by you, the listeners. And I say by you, the listeners, I mean the it was the one movie that actually got two votes, and we had a myriad of one votes for lots of other baseball movies, which just goes to show you how many baseball movies there are that actually people like watching. <laughs> yeah. I fully expected to do a league of their own or bull Durham. I fully expected that's what we were going to end up with, but uh, I'm pretty happy with the Sandlot to be honest. <laughs> Nobody talks about field of dreams. I mean, like how was that? That was like Oscar kind of performance there though. Field of dreams. I mean, it both is and is not a baseball movie, but I guess that's true of Sandlot too. I guess it's sort of in that same category. And I guess that's where okay, we're going to kind of get into baseball movies and why we chose to do them is that baseball as a sport encompasses so many things. It's ingrained in not just the sport, but the things around it and what brings people to the game. Yeah. And throughout the history of baseball, it, you know, it, it's the one thing that no matter what's going on, people gravitate to because it's it's how you you know, say during the best times and worst times, this is what happened in this sport. Yeah. You know, ultimately baseball is America's game as much as, as much as we all love football, including us, Mm -hmm. you know, football is an extension of rugby and you can claim that baseball is, is like an extension of cricket, but you're wrong. (laughs) I think the only thing that's equivalent between the two of them is there is somebody called a batter. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) Kind of says something when you consider how much more money football makes, the NFL makes over major league baseball, that I think that there's a more following, like baseball isn't something that you get fanatical about. It's something that you watch because like you said, it's ingrained in, in being American. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it's just poorly managed at this point, but that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, we, we've <laughs> talked about that several times. And if you want to learn about that, go to any episode called Gooseball. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear us talk about how poorly managed Major League Baseball is over the four years of this podcast. That is my soapbox I'm going to stand on. You got <laughs> communism and I got baseball. <laughs> yeah. But let's get to it. We're talking about the Sandlot, and we will start with the first impressions of the Fat Man. It's a quintessential kids baseball movie, family baseball movie, I'll say. And I say that because when it came out in, I should know this, but in 1993, it was one of the few movie going experiences I actually remember going to as a family. I remember the drive in. I remember sitting down in the theater and having popcorn with the whole family. We all went as a family and watched it and it was a summer movie it was on probably a friday night which is when we tended to do things as a family you know looking back on it and having watched it this time i felt it was more epic as a kid and then now i see how it's more of a kid's movie but how they they did it in such a genius way it was just a well-told story in the sense that it's a kid's story you know you can poke holes in it all you want but you know, if you just relax and enjoy the movie, it's so funny because you go, boy, these kids were jerks. And then you think about it, you go, God, <laughs> me and my friends were jerks. I was a jerk. 
if we were yeah. really left on our own and we did some really shitty things and you know thank god our parents weren't around and, and that's the funny part we didn't realize how much our parents watched over us in comparison to these kids <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and how much our parents actually cared about as opposed to the few interactions with adults that we have in this movie mainly from uh karen allen and uh Dennis Leary and oh man, Dennis um, Leary is the stepdad. When, when we yeah, when we get to the early part of this movie, yeah, definitely got some things to say about that. But um, it it definitely isn't an older idea of legends in baseball. I think nowadays Babe Ruth kind of takes a backseat to a lot of other baseball legends. Backseat in the sense that everyone knows who he was. Everyone knows that he was a pinnacle of the very first years of Major League Baseball. You know, when you talk about baseball legends, you're really thinking more along the lines of like um, Hank Aaron, yeah, Lou Gehrig, and um, Mickey Mantle, yeah, and, and guys like that. Babe Ruth is almost mythical in proportion. He, you know, he's hit a point where like everybody knows who he is and knew and knows he was amazing at baseball, but nobody really, very few people, except for those who are enthusiastic of the sport, actually know the stats. They right. know what he did, you know, that everybody knows about the pointing and hitting the home run where he pointed, which is, right. it is ridiculous. It's, it's like, legend because, like you said, yeah, the story built around him, not so much right. as the athletic, you know, st- st- stats that, you know, that you know about him. Whereas, like, right. that's what you know about a Aaron Karen, you're like, damn. Hank Aaron hit that many hits and home runs and etc. Yeah, Root Ruth is kind of a he's a mythological character at this point in the baseball. Like he's a he's not a legend because you know about legends, like you know stuff about them. But you know, at some point they people become myths, and that is that is effectively where uh Ruth has gone to. I had forgotten just how much cursing there is in this movie. <laughs> I started rewatching it before we started and I heard one S bomb so far. That's, and then I've got through about two thirds of the movie before we started. Yeah. I want to say there's, there's only one or two S bombs, but they're, they're constantly saying crap and, and all the like kind of minor yeah, yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know you're rolling your eyes, but I've got like a, <laughs> a 10 year old and a seven year old. And I'm thinking to myself, I was going to show, like a room full of kids ranging from like five all the way to 14. This movie. 1993, I was nine years old when I watched this movie. I know, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, are we more censored nowadays? Are we less censored? More. I would definitely say more. And I think that's kind of, there's a split in parts of society. There is some of us that have gone more censored and there's some of us who have gone less. And Oh, sure. Because it's almost right off the bat. Like in in his opening montage or monologue, not montage, opening monologue, and he <laughs> he drops he drops a crap or two. <laughs> and, yeah, but, but that wasn't the word. That like, uh, there's a word in his opening monologue that is like the the key phrase throughout the entire movie. And I guess yeah, yeah, he repeats it over and over again. Right, and I guess that's where he, this writer, I think, I guess, thinks of the greatest 
challenge in baseball is and you don't see it often because you don't make those mental errors when you get into the situation it's mental error and that's a pickle you know for those of you that aren't versed in baseball a pickle is when a runner is caught between bases and the the other team's got the ball and is trying to chase him down to tag him out and they just go back and forth tossing the ball trying to tag the the runner out and the runner's trying to avoid him it's called a pickle i I could i'm sure another episode i will find out the definition of where the, the word pickle came from the etymology of the phrase as it applies to baseball. Yes. Or, or when it happened first and it got called a pickle. Yes. Well, that guy sure is it a pickle. <laughs> I'm sure that's some radio announcer. <laughs> that's the thing I took mostly from that, that opening monologue is, you know, he's like the biggest pickle, biggest pickle any of us had ever been in. <laughs> ever been in. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it as a kid. I enjoyed it as an adult. I, interestingly enough, as an adult, I've noticed the real big differences between the dog puppet and the actual dog. <laughs> As a kid, didn't. I didn't really notice no, much of a difference. Right. <laughs> Like as an adult, I'm like, oh, that is just one monstrous puppet, <laughs> but it's definitely a puppet. <laughs> As a kid, I was like, no, it's the same dog. They used him in all the shots. <laughs> Boy, that movie's 40 years old now. 30 years 30. old. 30. Sorry, 30. The Jag. <laughs> yeah, I'm 40. Right, right, right. I wasn't born in 93. <laughs> uh, way too sober. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason we call it booze ball. So, oh, you know, overall, good movie. Yes. Um, it's a kid's movie. Like I said, there's a lot of content that probably would not make it onto a TV screen or to a movie or a TV screen these days, Uh, or it would, but the characters would have to be different people because it's okay one way, but not the other, but we'll get there (laughs) and double standard. (laughs) But you know, overall it's a good show. I can't believe this though. Rotten Tomatoes is giving this movie a 65. Is that the critic or the or the audience? The critic. Yeah, I'll believe that. Audience is eighty nine. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, when when <laughs> these days do the critics and the audience actually agree on anything? <laughs> but even as a like a, a critic, you got it like as a cinematic like you know in its place in history, it, it's a baseball movie. It's a it's a tentpole baseball movie, and I say that, and really, baseball's got a lot of them. There's very few baseball movies that aren't what you would call tentpole, like uh, Rookie of the Year. That was not a tentpole one. No. It's fun. Yeah. You know, Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield. Mr. Big League. You know, the ones with that one kid that kind of looked like Ralph Macchio. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> From Rookie of the Year, that same kid. He was in like two of them. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> And then there was the baseball movie where he goes back in time <laughs> to medieval era. I don't remember that one. Oh my god, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So, so bad. bad. Yeah. All right, so I guess we get into it then. Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of just open up again with that monologue. The narrator, we kind of figured we see the narrators walking in the in the the undergrounds, the backstage, if you will, of a baseball stadium, walking up to, um, you know, Doris's press boxes, and arrow pointed up. So you know, he's uh, this guy's a commentator, announcer, radio announcer for uh, obviously a baseball game, and he, you hear the narrator's voice. He's talking about you know how baseball was 
a game was more than a game for them and and yada yada about you know how great the game was for for him but you know for others it was life talks about babe ruth and the legend and how pointed to the outfield and you know called a shot you know no one had ever done that before you can actually see that baseball that babe ruth hit in the baseball hall of fame in cooperstown new york it says it's on the second floor of the of the museum and uh, it said that uh Babe Ruth hit it out of the park, well over 500 feet down the block. And this kid, well, what not a kid, but he was a, he was a grown man. He was a 23 year old man named Henry DiOrio. Found the ball in his backyard and he kept it for years until some many years later, he gave it to the commissioner of baseball and they put it in the baseball hall of fame. How did he know that was the ball? My guess is there weren't too many professional baseballs that were just around all over the place. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that actually kind of becomes one of the, uh, the sticking points in this story. Oh, really? Is, are the balls. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the baseballs. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But yeah he, he gives this monologue where he talks about how, you know, the difference between baseball as a game and baseball as a way of life. And, you know, there are some people like Babe Ruth where it's definitely a way of life. And there's some people that it was just a game. And he talks about him and his friends over summer playing ball. It's interesting because if, if you're not paying good attention, you don't realize where he's going. Like you don't see the press box up to the press box thing real clearly. You don't realize he's, you know, he's going to be the announcer for the baseball. And it's sort of, it becomes a surprise end <laughs> at the at the close of the movie if you're not paying attention close enough in the I was beginning. Say, you'd have to really not be paying attention because he clearly goes through a door with a sign next to it that says press boxes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and then and then he walks into a building that's overlooking the baseball field. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're wrapped up in the monologue, you could miss it. Not realize what's going on here. <laughs> So at that point, we kind of do a time shift. It goes to a picture of these of the group of kids standing on a ball field, and then it transitions to these kids playing on a ball field outside of a school. And this one skinny uh, kid looks like to be about, I don't know, what do you think, 12, 13? Maybe, yeah. Uh... Certainly not like eight or nine. <laughs> But definitely, kid, you'd think that uh, some some little league teams would uh, smuggle on to their roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they're playing, and the, the kid at bat, you know, he hits a long ball, runs the bases, and and then transition to a Southern California, well, not Southern, maybe it's a California neighborhood. You can tell through the mountains and and the general feel of the uh, the neighborhood. Now, it doesn't tell you what year this movie takes place, which is, I find, a little odd. But what do you think the cars look like? They're what? 1940s? 50s? Ah, I would have said 70s. I think 70s? If the narrator is supposed to be from 92, right? And he's like 30 years old. So that'd be the 60s, right? I guess. Maybe 50s. I don't know. I thought the cars, I'm trying to think. Ah, maybe it was kind of 50s era. Oh, you're right. 1962. 62. Okay. During the summer of 1962. Yep. So you guess the narrator's about, I guess he's 30 something. 
maybe 40 something mm-hmm. it's set he's like what 10 or so yeah yeah he's yeah he's definitely about 10 yeah old enough to be going out and playing by himself or you know out of the house playing with other kids without supervision so then we see the main or what would be our main character smalls is his nickname you're killing me smalls you're killing me smalls <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Scotty Smalls. Scotty Smalls. Yeah, that's because his last name is Smalls. Smalls, right, right, right. Smalls, see, Smalls. Played by Tom Gurry. And he's unloading a, a little U-Haul trailer. Yep. So they use the, the mystifying uh, movie technique of using a narrator to explain what's happening. Right. <laughs> instead of instead of showing, <laughs> they show Antel. <laughs> he tells you sometime about two weeks... Uh, after school let out. Oh, and it explains that it was the same summer that Dodger Maori Wills would break the stolen base record. So I guess that could have been our hint. We could have looked that up as to what year that happened. And and that's the cool part about uh, baseball. That's how you tell your place in time in baseball is by when things happen, when records are broken or unbelievable plays happened or the year that some team that never won or hasn't won a pennant or a world series and forever won that the things that happen in baseball mark time. And that's how like, yeah. like if you're really into baseball, that's how you'll know your American history. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that happened that year. So that means that was the same year that, you know, you're the performance enhancing drugs scandal <laughs> split the <laughs> split the scene right because <laughs> that was us growing up that's what you know we, we had all these stars suddenly be shown for oh they're so good at what they do because they're all juicing well there was that uh in our lifetime you had yeah the juicing you had uh sosa versus uh mcguire i think both of those were juicers if i remember correctly well yeah they did they later found out yes that both of those were juicers and then but before that was the barry bonds i kind of i guess barry bonds is really the the one that and then um jose conseco president bo jackson nolan ryan freaking nolan ryan (laughs) that guy so we had those. We had Kurt Schilling playing with uh, a torn ankle, like a big old cut on his ankle. And then if you're a Cleveland fan like I am, the infamous Albert Bell bat incident. <laughs> and this is what's going to make this kind of podcast. We're going to bleed this into several episodes, but I'll just go into this real quick. At one point in the 90s, Albert Bell was playing for the uh, for the then Cleveland Indians, and he was doing so well that one of the other teams thought that his bat was corked. Uh, corking your bat somehow enhances your your bat to hit a ball better. Don't ask me how. I don't know the mechanics, but somebody out there will. So they had confiscated his bat and were going to test it, you know, cut it open and test it. And supposedly Albert Bell paid someone to crawl through the ceiling in where they were keeping the bat in this building. I want to say it was at the stadium, but they paid someone to crawl through the ceiling and go through the the upper, you know, the ceiling tiles to get his bat (laughs) and replace it with one that wasn't corked. (laughs) 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 From what I understand, the guy got caught. (laughs) Oh, nice. 
we're not nice <laughs> as, as far were. as i understand though that like maybe albert bell served a suspension no one really talks about that no one he wasn't banned from baseball <laughs> you'll have to remind me one of our podcasts after this we'll have to go into the ridiculousness that is pete rose but these guys a lot of these guys weren't banned from baseball while pete rose was it still is <laughs> it still is but that's my little my little monologue about how baseball and time and you know, events happen. So, yeah, Scotty Smalls talks about how he just moved to this neighborhood just uh, after summer had started and uh, how it was supposed to be the summer to make friends, but he moved to another state thousands of miles from where he did live. So he didn't know anybody. And, and I got to say, as, as somebody who's moved a couple times in his life, like it is kind of a death knell to your uh, friendships when you move, especially across country like that, uh, especially as a kid. And and then you're sort of at ground zero, right? And the fact that he was two weeks into summer, which meant, you know, two more months to three months, you know, so they used to have long summers back in the day instead of this like month and a half stuff we get now. <laughs> but the, the, your only recourse is to try and find people in your neighborhood. Right. Uh, and back then, like, as we see, it's doable because parents let their children outside without supervision. Uh, these days, it's tough. Yeah, but these days, it's it's tough because you can almost make friends just as easy inside your own home. And oftentimes, parents feel that their kids are safer inside their own home nowadays than, say, to just let them out. Right. Instead of, like letting the kids go out in the neighborhood and meet each other, they set up play dates with other children who are uh, friends of the parents and stuff. And so, yeah, communities, suburbs, cities, whatever you want to call it, they're not as close knit anymore, you know, in large part because of the TV <laughs> and eventually the internets and other electronic media, keeping people indoors and inside. And so, as many times as I've moved, I've always tried to make an effort to meet our neighbors, but it normally mm -hmm. takes a while before we really know many. And it just, it's sort of an arduous process. And sometimes your neighbors are just non-communicative. I mean, it's a tough situation as a kid. Like when you're put into a whole new realm, especially if it's a, if you're not a real super outgoing kid and you're awkward and <laughs> you know, you're in middle school and your body's betrayed you and everything's terrible. <laughs> so... Because that's what middle school is. It's the worst time of your life. <laughs> no matter who tells you it's the best time, they're they're wrong and stupid. Oh, because we look in the we look at the past with rose tinted glasses. You know, you always remember the good times, never the bad times. So, and yeah. I would say that in, in the case of me and you and me meeting you for the first time, boy, it's it's funny now to look at it. <laughs> How did that happen? It was your birthday party. That's where we met. Yes, it's the one where we almost got arrested. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice that was the first time i didn't know you sebastian knew you oh okay <laughs> yeah and sebastian was the only one that i knew <laughs> oh <laughs> wes yeah yeah <laughs> well now you've heard our origin story folks <laughs> took you four years but it finally came out me and bruce met at my birthday where we almost got arrested this was in Early high school. <laughs> I hadn't gone into high school yet. Oh, you were still... <laughs> 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 and it was my mother trying to decide if she wanted me to go to our high school. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she lets you go after we almost got arrested. 
You know, we see a lot of questionable parenting in this movie. But, but given that your mother is well, one of our major think, supporters, I'm well, not going to call her on this one. Well, think about this, though. My mother would have been about the roughly the same age that Scotty Smalls is in this movie. Right, but you weren't. You're not Scotty. You weren't Scotty Smalls' age. No, no. What I'm saying is, is that the upbringing and the the you know the environment that she grew up in was very much oh yeah like, yeah. like this. Yeah. So you know the transference of you know. I ran around most days, you know, after school or whatever, outside for several hours before coming home for dinner. You know, it that was just normal. Like it, it, I didn't need parent parental supervision every minute of my life. I don't know if kids this, these days get that as much, that, that level of freedom. I didn't have supervision, but I was told I had rules set and I had to have like a watch the you know, if I wasn't home by a certain time, not when the sun went down. No, 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 no. I didn't have celestial time. I had exact, you know, analog digital time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It was an actual time yeah. time, not subjective. <laughs> no, mine was more, I think more subjective, but. I was usually within yelling distance of the house, so... Oh, no. I mean, before, like, that time era when I knew Sebastian, you know how far he lived from me. Oh, yeah. And I rode my bike all that way. That's a long ride. Yeah. <laughs> That's how far I went sometimes. <laughs> so. Good grief. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, up and down. Uh, but, yes, we were talking about... Um, Scotty Smalls being roughly 10 years old, it does mention that he transitioning from fifth grade to sixth grade. So, yeah, he would have been roughly 10, 12. Maybe 11 or 12. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere between 10 and 12. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's talking about that's where it all his summer had all started this summer. And he talks about his real dad had died when he was a little kid. Now, that to me is a little funny thing to say because he's still a little kid, you know. Like you said, he's 10, 11, 12, and he talks about his dad died when he was a little kid. I'm like, okay, I mean, how little are we talking about that you could Maybe he's not talking that he knew it from memory, but, you know, just as background. Yeah. But talked about how his mom had married his stepdad, Bill, about a year before they moved. And that uh, their relationship that they hadn't quite got used to each other. It's kind of funny because they don't really explain, like, where the relationship is. And you could definitely tell it's just an awkward relationship. Yeah. It's awkward. There's tension. There's... However you want to put it, there's something there. Right. Because he, he keeps, you know, floundering between calling him dad and calling him Bill. And, you know, he steps into, his, you know, his stepdad's, uh, I guess you call it like an office or a den or whatever. And where, where Bill slash dad is putting away all of his like sports trophies and memorabilia and stuff. Building the shrine. <laughs> right. And he asks him kind of timidly, you know, remember when you said you'd teach me how to, how to play catch? And you could just tell the way that the dad, who's played by Dennis Leary, looks at him and goes, yeah, sure. Saying yes, but non-committal. Like, you know, he doesn't give him, right. you know, we'll do it Saturday. We'll do it in the morning. He just says, yeah, sure. Kind of stares at him and then goes about back to what he was doing. I don't know if you've had this experience. I have when it's just kind of like a um, 
feeling of just like you know kind of dismissal like you're bothering me <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's sort of the it's the generic blow off answer it's like yeah sure now go on sure all right yeah, i agreed <laughs> get out of here and then, although i get the feeling in this is where the kid's trying <laughs> to do the right thing you know, he's trying to be a good kid and uh yeah. the dad's just not having it yeah unfortunately the dad happens to be dennis leary so he's <laughs> from the get-go <laughs> the fact that none of the cursing came from from dennis leary i mean i wonder how much extra yeah. they had to pay him to, to not swear <laughs> dennis if you could throw fewer beer bottles against the wall that would be appreciated <laughs> i'm just trying to be authentic to the era i, I think we're That's trying right. to make this a family movie <laughs> Well, this family, 1960s family. Come on, man. <laughs> this is America, okay? I'm trying to show America here. <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of America we want to show, Mr. Larry. All right, now, cure up the lifeguard scene. <laughs> oh, my God. That's going to be just like... Uh... It's, when we get to that we'll point get there. that'll be episode three i'm sure <laughs> so we've, we've managed to spend about i don't know 30 35 minutes talking here we're like what five minutes, five minutes into, into the, the movie, movie. five <laughs> minutes into the movie uh, yes we're that podcast folks yes yes we are <laughs> you guys sure did ramble around that yeah we did we sure did <laughs> All right. The kid stares at, you know, the stuff in the office for a second, then he goes back to bed. It's the next day. Scotty Smalls runs out of the house. Where is he running? We don't know, because as he told us before, he knew nobody. He's new to the area, knows nobody, but he's going to go charging out of the house. <laughs> I'm going to go run in traffic, Mom. Because he really does tear out of that house. Well, he <laughs> runs down the sidewalk past the militant-looking milkman. <laughs> Apparently the Navy back in the day delivered milk. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's ticked off because Dennis Leary's around all the time. He can't get into uh, <laughs> to see uh, Indiana Jones's wife. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> you will order today, Mr. Smalls? No? <sighs> Here's your dick milk. <laughs> this is probably becoming not a family movie. <laughs> we unfamilied the hell out of that movie. <laughs> Focus. <clears throat> so, Sky Smalls tearing down the sidewalk through town, past the drugstore, you know, because this is Americana. We're going to show it by showing the old pharmacy store. Trying the old drugstore that didn't sell drugs as much as it sold, you know, egg whites or egg creams or whatever the heck. <laughs> and Coca Cola with actual cocaine in it. <laughs> yep. Or was that after they stopped doing no, that? No, that was after that point. That was in like the 40s. Ah. Buzzkills. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of buzzkills. <laughs> it's not good for people. <laughs> no 
wonder we all grew up sissies. <laughs> <laughs> it took the cocaine out of our Coca-Cola. I mean, it's called Coca-Cola, folks. <laughs> Why would you do that? You ruin the product. <laughs> now I kind of want a Coke. So we see Scotty come through a fence that's been overgrown with vines and whatnot. And according to Scotty Smalls, he followed them to the sandlot once after school. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense because he shows up two weeks after school gets out. And the fact that he had, he, you know, said he didn't know anybody. (laughs) He moved there one day and the next day he knows where all the kids hang out. I mean, if you're looking for kids, it's usually not that hard to do in a neighborhood. There's only so many streets. But, yeah, his cover story is is the first hole you could poke in this children's story. Which, <laughs> if you ever sat down and had a child tell you a story, it takes about two sentences before you can start poking holes. <laughs> that, my friends, is a wonderful pastime for about three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that part of what makes this movie great is that it's narrated like it's a child telling you this story yeah. like a kid is telling you the story of his summer you know like he came to school the first day of school and you know the teacher asked what'd you do over the summer and this is his story and yeah. like boy i wish i was a kid with that with this kind of story because i mean the looks and like the phone calls the teachers would be making to my parents would just be maybe <laughs> so worth it <laughs> you know yeah. mom and dad like why didn't you tell us you were doing this and you didn't told us to stay outside yeah that's what you get for not letting me enjoy the ac thanks mom i was gonna say <laughs> you uh you said to get into trouble <laughs> you said to do that <laughs> i actually had my mother tell me that when i was younger yeah oh get in trouble okay <laughs> why do i feel Kaboom! this is a trap <laughs> <laughs> well you told me <laughs> Uh, but he says that he didn't really have a baseball glove. He just had a plastic mitt that he got from his grandmother when he uh, for his birthday when he was six years old. Clearly, he was not a sports kid or droid sports. More than likely, like all American kids, he knew about baseball. And at the time, when someone asked, hey, do you like baseball? Of course, you said yes. Yes. Because <laughs> you didn't want them to think you were a communist. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, just beat you up. Right. (laughs) Yeah. This is interesting because it dives in a little bit into one of the problems that goes into single parent households, which is that often you have one parent left with the job of trying to provide all of the mentoring and example giving that two parents are supposed to provide. And in that time and era, every kid would have been taught baseball by their parents or their older siblings. Right. That right. that would have been how that went. Either your older brother would have taught you or your dad would have taught you. They'd play catch with you. Some dads would have been sitting around counting the days down <laughs> until they could fit your hand into a glove so that they could start tossing the ball around. And that's still true. You get the idea that Smalls here is with his father dying probably in the Korean conflict or maybe Vietnam. I have to check my timing on that one. But <laughs> with his with his father passing away when he was very young and Bill only being around for a year and being still not on that, those kind of terms with each other that he's probably got gaps in his education just as a 
person as an American or as a boy or however you want to put it. Right. As an American kid growing up. This is one of those gaps. His mom would not have been. And that's not like digging on her. It's just not probably what she was thinking about. Right. Like it's not. I mean, that stuff is just done. <laughs> right. Well, and we do find out later in the movie, she does know something of baseball because he even makes a comment about it later. And we'll get to that when when we get to the, the real crux of the movie. But you can tell he didn't really uh, absorb any of it. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the baseball kid. There is part of awkwardness that is potentially also attributable to his non-socialization. Right. If he's not in, you know, groups with other boys on a regular basis or is, you know, socializing with his, with his dad, he may not understand the sort of methods of talking to other men or in that case, other boys. Right. It results in him kind of being sort of off and, and awkward. And they do a very good job sort of not just with how they have the child actor portray the character, but also with how they have him stationed himself, right? And he walks into the back with this plastic glove way, way, way in the outfield, <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically. Hoping that, that him just being there, like they'll either not notice him or not care because he's far enough away from the pack. Right. And that eventually they'll just get used to them, you know, like a stray. <laughs> right. And then he'll suddenly somehow be absorbed into the group without actually having to interact with the group at all, which is not how groups work. <laughs> and we get to see that play out in the, in the coming scenes. As he walks onto the field, he narrates that, you know, it was like it was like one of the greatest places he'd ever seen. It was their own baseball kingdom or something. The funny part was is that. They never kept score. They never chose size. They just kept playing and that they were good, really good by, you know, kid standards, I'm guessing. And that, you know, he just stands out there trying to, um, you know, hopefully, you know, not get noticed unless something good happens. Yeah. It's sort of like one of those perpetual summer games. Like you just pick up exactly where you left off the day before. Like everybody's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, we're all getting together back here again, and we're going to keep playing. <laughs> that is the business of being a child. <laughs> yep. And he said that there were only eight of them, so that's why he figured he could just get away with being there, that, hey, that's nine. And as long as they had a warm body, then there were nine players. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, you know, hopefully, you know, he wouldn't screw up. Uh, what happens next? Is, the, is it the first time, first encounter with the fence? Not an encounter, but he hears the the, the beast. Yeah. You know, he hears the, the, the monster behind the fence and the, you know, the fence shaking and whatnot. Yeah. The first rumblings. Right. The first rumblings. Because, like, then there are parts after that, you know, and they talk about the monster. You're like, but you, you already know about the monster. The <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you know it's there. So, uh, and then... Uh, Oh, Ralph Macho looking kid hits a, a fly ball and as the ball comes hurtling at Scotty Smalls, he tries to catch it. He covers one hand with his face, brings his glove up. The ball hits the glove. He falls down and the ball goes rolling to the fence Yep, <laughs> behind which the beast is at. Yep. And he hears the beast. 
And so the kids are laughing yeah, at him. Hysterical ringing laughter going out. <laughs> and they're pretty brutal. The you know? mean, the, yeah, the, like the mean <laughs> laughter that only a group of kids can really get get going, <laughs> you know. So Scotty gets up and he looks like he's like wearing church clothes and an old like fisherman's hat with like an extra long yeah, super long bill. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Twice. I don't know if you can even find a hat like that anymore. <laughs> this ultra long bill. Honestly, though, I don't think it's like the worst baseball hat. It just looks a little funny. But, you know, if you're trying to keep the sun off, you I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like it would be effective in that extent. But like. That's that's our oldness in us. We care about effectiveness and not coolness. It's got to look cool, Bruce. It doesn't matter how functional it is. That's why I wear my hat backwards. Because, <laughs> you know, that's new. Yeah. Anyways. So Scotty goes to get the, the ball and he's reaching for it. And of course, the, the monster, you know, starts snarling behind the fence again. He grabs it. And so Scotty's got the ball. He's turning, and they're like, you know, all the kids are yelling, "Throw it! Throw it back at us!" And Scotty's trying to figure out how to how to you know to stand you know to throw because he's apparently never thrown a ball before, and it goes all of a foot and a half when he does throw it. And once again, the mean kids come back. Yeah, and another chorus of evil mean laughter comes out. So can't catch, can't throw is what he's established. So he doesn't have these skills. <laughs> But he wants to play. Poor Scar- Scotty starts uh, starts crying, runs away, yelling, my life's... Not yelling, yeah, but... My life's over. Runs out of the field. And that's the end of the movie, folks. So thanks for joining us for uh, The Sandlot. It's <laughs> 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 <sighs> 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 just... That's it. Pers- you persevere. Otherwise, your movie is terrible. That's the lesson here. You persevere, you end up in a good movie. If you don't, your movie's awful. (laughs) Also, the importance Uh, of having friends, but we'll get to that. Thanks, Ralph Cramden. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Then he narrates, you know, if it weren't for Benny, which is the the kid that hit the, the fly ball, he would never have made a single friend that summer. So then after he runs home, it's nighttime. He's in his room. In his room is a signed picture from Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard. Yeah, it was like, and if you don't know who Mr. Wizard is, he was like a, he was a earlier version of Bill Nye. You know, did science experiments, you know, in the house and things and showed you cool things about science. And you see that Scotty built himself an erector set to take a little metal ball and drop it into a little tube and sends it here, there, everywhere, and then launches it out of a catapult. And as, it, as you're seeing it do this like incredible machine thing, hits his mother square in the face as she's coming through the door. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bam! She just takes it full in the face. <laughs> like, why would you aim it that way? <laughs> And it was a silver ball. I can't imagine that was. It was like a pinball. It was a little smaller yeah, like, yeah. version of a pinball. That had to yeah. hurt. That hurt. That hurt. <laughs> yep. It's time for some child beating. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sixties. Bill, get in here. <laughs> yep. Get your belt. <laughs> your spanking belt, not the bedroom belt. <laughs> Now, now he's taking it to a, to a non-family area. Maybe it's just one he wears in his bedroom. Don't try that on me. 
I mean, it is the 60s. It's possible. <laughs> this is the belt I wear around my pants when I'm in my bedroom. What? <laughs> Anyways, mom comes in the door, played by Karen Allen. If you don't know who Karen Allen is, she played Marion Ravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark and in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, and in uh, Dial of Destiny. She did show up in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, okay. I've not seen that yet. It's not great, but it's good. Mom comes in and asks him if he's made any friends yet, and he's like, no, not yet. And she tells him, I want you to try this song to really make some friends, which to me suggests that he didn't have many friends back wherever it is that he came from. So then she goes to this whole thing, you know, I want you to, you know, go out, make friends, get out of the house, scrape your knee, you know, get in trouble, not too much trouble. And how many moms do you know say that? And this kid is kind of leave it to beaver as, yeah. you know, he's very, you know, like, you know, no, ma'am, no, I guess not. You know, he, he, he's definitely a nerdy kid. <laughs> yeah. Well mannered, but awkward and, and nerdy. <laughs> yep. Kind of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely before I met you guys. <laughs> Definitely got in way more trouble knowing you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> but none of us ended up in the hospital. No, we, ne- we never went to jail. We never went to the hospital. It's good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Uh, and we go to the next morning. Scotty's cleaning up his breakfast, and Mom asks, hey, have you, you asked, have you asked him yet, referring to Dad slash Bill? And Scotty's like, no, he's too busy. Of course, this is this is the mom wanting to force situation on, on two people in the house, you know? Yep. I'm not going to say passive-aggressive, because it's not passive-aggressive per se, but it's making people do things without outright telling them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? She's telling you, but she's not telling you. <laughs> I need the two of you to do something. So I'm going to tell you one thing, and I'm going to get you to go get the other person to do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> right. And she's like, you know, go tell him. He's not too busy. And then, you know, Scotty, of course, asked Bill slash dad, Again, hey, remember when you said you'd teach me to play catch? And once again, dad goes, yeah, sure, but I got to finish what I'm doing, okay? And then mom, standing right at the door, goes, hey, guess what? You you got time, you know, to, to teach him now, right, for like 30 minutes? And it's like, well, yeah, but I got this work. No, 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 you, you, yeah, sure, sure, you can spare 30 minutes, right? <laughs> and of course, this <laughs> puts the kid in the awkward spot because he thinks, well, now this guy thinks that I'm making mom make you do this. So now nobody wants to do this other than mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two people who are going to be involved in the activity don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> right. And nobody looks cool, according to the yeah. kid at any rate. Because that's what kids are worried about. <laughs> I look like a doofus. <laughs> Dad knowing how, you know, he's got to keep the wife happy. Otherwise, he's not going to get to be happy. <laughs> And so he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Here's where the dad slash Bill, I think, is the most awkward about the whole thing where you're like, he really doesn't want to be a dad because he starts off. He's supposed to teach this kid how to play catch, right? He does not do a very good job. No. <laughs> no, this is a pretty terrible uh, teaching opportunity here. He just says, keep an eye on the ball. You know, instead of like, hey, when you feel the ball, go into the glove. 
close your hand, you know? No, you just like yeah. keep your eye on the ball. Okay. <laughs> That's it. And, it's, and then what does he do? He doesn't underhand throw him. No, he just does like a full throw. It's not like a hundred mile an hour Nolan Ryan Express kind of thing, but it's still, it's a throw. <laughs> Yeah. Which, you know, if the kids never caught a ball before, I don't know if that's what you'd want to do. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the way you would do this, like, the right way is you start doing catch stuff when they're like two or three. You know, you're throwing the ball, a small ball back and forth that kind of, a you know, you start rolling it and then you start throwing it in the air and you... And they so they learn the the mechanics of throwing and catching. By the time they're five, it's just sort of a natural thing, you know. You switch from underhand to overhand, and, and you go. But now, you know, small here is starting from ground zero, right? <laughs> and granted, you know, he's ten, eleven years old, so Bill thinks that he should know some of this. But he asked him to teach him to play catch. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, he makes the first throw, and Scotty misses it completely. And Scotty goes get the ball, and Bill goes, you know, all right, throw it back. And Scotty, known from yesterday's experience, yeah. knows he can't throw it. So what does he do? He literally runs it over and puts the ball in Bill's yeah. glove. I don't want to look uncool in front of my awkward stepdad. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go hand the ball, put it in his glove, mm-hmm. and the look on on Dad's face of like, oh my god, I can't believe this just happened. Yeah. What in the hell? <laughs> what kind of loser kid did I inherit here? <laughs> That's the look on in, his face. In, in a way that really only Dennis Leary can deliver. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you can see the curse words coming out of this. <laughs> All right. So he gets the ball back. Kid goes run back to his spot. And again, same instructions. Eye on the ball. Okay. Keep your eye on the ball. Okay. <laughs> Wherever the ball goes, that's where your glove should go. <laughs> and so he throws it again and again he misses it this time it wasn't like at him it was a little off but you know he goes and gets it <laughs> and he tells him to throw it back so scotty this time instead of running it back what does he do he basically does an underhanded throw it it's more of a roll <laughs> yeah he kind of rolls it back which i said is this this is how this naturally progresses in real life <laughs> over the years <laughs> And then, you know, Dennis Leary bends over to pick up the ball and he gives the kid this, like, horrible look of, like, you know, what are you, a moron? And at this point, like, after the first time, wouldn't you teach him, like, hey, this is, you know, you throw a ball, just pull your arm back, and when you get about halfway through the arc, you know, let it go. Nope. Yep. Nope. Doesn't do any of that. (laughs) And for the third time, he says, okay, eye on the ball. And this time, when he throws it, the kid gets the glove right where the ball is, except it's right at his eye. And the force of the throw pushes the ball and the glove right into Scotty's eye. (laughs) Yeah. I will say I've had that happen to me before. (laughs) Sure, we all have, because you just don't think about it, you know? Yeah, you're like, I'm going to catch the ball. Ball. (laughs) (laughs) Physics. That's going to leave a mark. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I got physics. (laughs) (laughs) So the kid comes, you know, into the house screaming and yelling. (laughs) And mom's like, oh, no, get some ice. And then, of course, dad in 1960s dad style grabs a steak from the fridge and throws it right onto the eye spot. (laughs) Right on his face. This will be better for this and he said that you know at least you caught it 
<laughs> so, you know, hey, a little compliment there. <laughs> That's pretty much the entirety of the fathering we see in, in over the course of this movie. Right, right. So, and then, you know, you find out, you know, that because of that one catch, the plastic glove uh, broke. <laughs> didn't take much yeah five to six year old plastic love <laughs> that's really a toy toy glove is busted now so now he doesn't even have a glove do we want to stop here i guess it is a good point because now we kind of we built where scotty's starting from in baseball like how little scotty knows of baseball not that he just doesn't have friends and doesn't know how to play baseball he just doesn't have very many skills in general at this point yeah, I mean, you could almost say that Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Well, Scotty's, Scotty's gotta, gotta go. Scotty's gotta go. <laughs> Kudos to you listeners who know what we're talking about here. Yeah, and if Scott, if you're listening, wherever you are. We still love you, man. We still love you. Scotty don't. <laughs> but yeah, so I think this is it, it's probably the what you would call a prologue. Kind of because then from here on, like you said, that's really almost the last scene we see of dad. Yep. And we start our adventure with the kids from this point on. Yeah, everything from this point on until the end is pretty much kids only. Right. I mean, that's the kid's story, right? Right. Next episode, we'll we'll dive into the integration of, well, we'll meet the team. We'll dive into Small's integration into the team and the world of baseball and how the Sandlot ran and uh, who the guys are and what they did and their adventures on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And I think that's what I like about this movie is it, it, it's that you end up having the hijinks and then the story and, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of get the feel of what it was like to be a kid and then... The problem, the adventure, yep. the epic, the pickle, the pickle, the pickle we had ever gotten ourselves <laughs> into. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for us today. We appreciate all of you listening, and especially our Patreons who uh, help us pay our editor. We really appreciate y'all. If you'd like to become a Patreon or a patron, go to Patreon and sign up. You can sign up for as little as one dollar a month to get access to. Our premium content, which involves other slightly less in-depth reviews. <laughs> uh, this year we're doing The Mandalorian Season 3, uh, and as well as whatever stuff. Also, you get access to the ability to tell us what you want us to review. Once per year, we are trying to review at least one movie that our patrons want us to review. That was Escape from New York, so if you've listened to the last four episodes... Three of them were Escape from New York. That was because that's what our patrons chose. So if you'd like to have that kind of power over me and Bruce's watching (laughs) schedules, head on over to Patreon, search for Pat and the Fat Man, and sign on up. If you're not up for that, well, we still got a website. We got a Facebook page. We're on Twitter. The Fat Man has his own Twitter handle. And I'm trying to think of where else we are. I guess we have an Instagram. Yep. Pat and the Fat Man on Instagram. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel, although it doesn't work quite yet. We'll get to that since our football season is rapidly coming upon us. So we're going to try and get back to our Saturday morning uh, football roundup. Or is it Saturday, Sunday morning? Whatever Whichever. day. <laughs> yeah. And that'll be live on YouTube and we'll try and promote those uh, streams prior to us actually going on live. <laughs> so people will know we're up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, thanks for listening, folks. I'm Pat. Now I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Killing me, Smalls. You know, what are you, a moron?